Our visitors with us, those of you that are visiting with us this morning, what a privilege it is to have you in service with us today. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and yes. be glad in yes. Notice the writer said he had to will himself to rejoice. We will rejoice. You know, we've got the right to rejoice or to complain. Amen. Everywhere you see somebody rejoicing in the Bible, they were blessed. Every time you see somebody grumbling or complaining, they were usually not blessed. So I, I will myself to rejoice this morning. Does that mean everything's going great? Does that mean there's not any problems? No, that's not what it means at all. It means that I choose to believe that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all I can ask. He's in control. He's the Lord of my life, and I love it. I will myself to rejoice in this day and be glad. If you're able, we'll ask for it to stand. Let's invite the presence of the Lord in our midst this morning. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for another opportunity to worship together with the saints of God. You said where two or three of us would gather in your name, that you, Lord, would be in our midst. And God, I thank you for that promise. We stand upon it today. You inhabit the praise of your people. God, I pray as we lift your name in, in worship this morning, we lift you up, oh God, in praise and adoration that you fill this house with your presence. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. I pray, Lord, you'll meet every need in this house. You'll touch every heart and every life. Let all we say and do bring you glory and honor and praise is our prayer. We ask it together in Christ's name.
this morning. Shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. The name means a savior. He's a deliverer this morning. He rescued us from our oppression, from our sin, many of us from our sickness, our infirmity, our disease. We magnify your name this morning, Jesus. We love you today, Lord Jesus. Be exalted in every heart and every life today. Look in our hymn book this morning, page 265. Love lifted me. I was sinking deep in sin, apart from the peaceful shore.
so full of hate and violence, the scripture still declares that God is love. Yes. I'm glad his love lifted me out of pit of sin. Let's sing page 386. I'll be a friend of Jesus. They've tried my Lord, they tried my Lord. and Master.
sisters in the Lord, some very close and personal friends that are under the absolute onslaught of the enemy right now. And uh, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But in some people's cases, it seems like people, the devil's using people to try to destroy them. And they're hurting so bad right now. I've had so many calls and texts here lately. It just seems like some of my best friends that the devil enemies trying to destroy them with people. Now, you know, when you pray, you pray and ask God to, to help. And the Lord spoke in my heart and he said, Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. The Lord told me, when the devil attacks you with evil, the way you attack him back is by doing that which is good by doing that which is right and uh, I, I looked at Job in the scripture when the enemy attacked him he said Lord if you'll let me take everything he's got just take it all from him strip him to bare nothing I'll make him curse you to your face and the Lord said you can take it all can't take his life but you can take everything he's got when he did, Satan stood on the sideline and watched. And he said, here it comes. He's fixing to curse God. He said, the Lord's given and the Lord's taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He, he didn't curse God. He blessed God. And I want to tell you that absolutely confounded the devil. He didn't know what to do with it. He couldn't do anything with it. Ultimately, God restored you. I want you this morning, if you feel like your whole world's coming apart at the seams, if you feel like all hell is against you, they're going to sing the second verse of the chorus again. I want you just to lift both hands with them as they worship God in song. And I want you to tell the Lord, that's why I come today, Lord. I come to lift my voice. And to raise my hands in worship and in surrender unto you. And just let the Lord bless you this morning. Hallelujah.
This morning, uh, Sister Paige asked that if uh, you've got a little one who's going to be in the Katata uh, from Children's Church this morning, uh, she needs them to be here at 4.30 this evening, and the, uh, the older youth need to be here at 3 o'clock, so uh, today's going to be a full day, a busy day, but I so look forward to the Christmas Katata this evening. I know the young people are going to do a great job, and uh, I always am blessed by hearing them worship God, especially in song. So uh, uh, if you have a young person, just be mindful that they will be practicing this afternoon before. We'll be having a, uh, a fellowship in the uh, fellowship hall. Uh, afterward, there'll be finger foods uh, back there, so... Uh, Hope that you'll make plans to be here tonight and that you'll stay in fellowship with us. Amen. Certainly the reason we have in this Christmas season to rejoice, and that is Jesus. God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. And uh, he's the reason why we're celebrating this season. So uh, we're going to allow our children's church to be dismissed at this time. If you have your Bible and want to read with us, we're going to be reading this morning from the book of Isaiah, chapter number 61. We're going to read one verse, verse number 10. It's good to have all my visitors with us this morning. If you are visiting, we're thrilled to have you. Good to see Mike's mom and service with us this morning, all the way from Oregon. So uh, she probably gets the uh, award for traveling the farthest to be here. But I know Mike's thrilled to have her at home with him for Christmas. And uh, we're thrilled to have all of you here with us this morning. Isaiah chapter 61. Going to read one verse, verse number 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. I want to preach to you today on the garments of a believer. The garments of a believer. I want to remind you this morning that God has clothed you. He has decked you, robed you. And uh, we're going to talk about that today. Father, we thank you for the word of God. And I pray, Lord, that you'll speak to our heart by your spirit through the word. God, I ask you to give us ears to hear and heart to receive what the Spirit would say to the church this morning. You've ordained this service for us, knowing who would be here, who could. 
I pray, oh God, you'll move in this house. That you'll touch every heart and life. And you'll meet every need. Those that may be watching or listening via live stream or the podcast, I pray that you'll minister unto them as well. God, I ask you that you'll touch us as we seek your face around this altar and you wouldn't allow us to leave like we came. God, will be changed from glory to glory as we behold you. God, we thank you for it. We ask it together in Christ's name. If you love him, would you say amen? amen. I want us to look at the various garments that I believe the scripture says that God has clothed us in, clothed us in this morning. The Bible's full of instructions as, as to which garments we are to put off and also those that we are to put on. They're man-made and God-given and spirit-wrought garments that I want us to look at this morning. And uh, when we look at these coverings or clothing, we can start in the very front of the Bible. We look at Adam and Eve going all the way back in the beginning, the Garden of Eden. The Bible said that they were clothed in innocence and that they were covered with the glory of God. It never occurred to them that they were naked until after the fall when sin had entered into their heart. Why? Because they were clothed with God's glory. They, they were spirit-dominated. And the flesh of their being was not a controlling force in their life. Satan, once he got them to disobey God, once he got them to sin against God in their heart, he then stripped them through his deceit. And the Bible said he left them naked and unfit to stand in the presence of God. Notice then also the marked similarity between Adam and Eve's situation and the problems encountered by the beaten man in the story of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan story in the New Testament is an illustration of how Satan strips a man and leaves him humiliated before God. In Luke 10 and 30, it says, And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Notice if you break the verse down, a certain man that could be reflective of Adam or all fallen man. It says a certain man went down, and the terminology went down is not only a geographical reference of direction for this man, but it, it is a spiritual reference of fallen man. Man on a downward road. He said he went down from Jerusalem, Jerusalem being the city of God, the place of blessing or the place of safety. And he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and Jericho was the place of the curse. And there he fell among thieves. And when we're on a downward road, the thief, the Bible said, cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The downward road, the cursed place, is the dwelling place of this thief. Notice the process that happened while he was traveling this downward road. He was stripped, wounded, robbed, 
and left to die. And that's the same process we see in the man from Gadara in the book of Luke, chapter number 8, verses 26 and 27. They arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time and wore no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. We see the same pattern in the seven sons of Siva in Acts chapter 19 and verse number 13. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preached. And there were seven sons of Seba, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. It seems as though that's the devil's main priority and job is to strip us of everything that God would have us have. What was the response? Well, when you look at Adam and Eve's response, once Satan had stripped them, in Genesis 3 and 7, they tried to remedy the situation themselves. They tried to clothe or to cover themselves. The eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked and sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They thought that they were doing the best that they could. But the best that you and I can do is never good enough to remedy our own sinful condition. If doing our best was good enough, then Jesus never would have had to come and die in our place at Calvary. The fig leaves were a condition of themselves. They, meaning the leaves, had been plucked from a living tree. And the moment you pluck a leaf from the tree, it begins to die. Death begins to work in those leaves. You understand you're covering, or they were trying to cover their own works, the Sinful deeds with dying leaves. Death covering death. The leaves look fine for the time being, but one day soon it's going to wither and die. They still felt as if they were naked when God called them by name. Even though in the natural they were covered with more than they had ever had on before. Think about that. In the natural, they've got on more than they ever had before, but they feel naked when God calls their name. So it is with the garments that man makes for himself. Satan can convince us that we've got it all covered, that it's all hidden, but inwardly, when we come into the presence of God, we feel the shame of our own nakedness. And Haggai 1 and 6 you have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe ye, but there is none warm. He that earneth wages, earneth wages 
to put it into a bag with holes. In Isaiah 59 and 6, their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity. The act of violence is in their hand. And then in Isaiah 64 and 6, but we all as an unclean thing, or we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. You say, well, my goodness, what, what's the remedy then? How do I cover up my sinfulness? How do I cover up the shame? Well, this is God's remedy. For Adam and Eve, God made his own coats of skin. He clothed Adam and Eve with it. God had nothing to do with the aprons that they had made for themselves, and they had nothing to do with the coat that God had prepared for them. Think about that. God had nothing to do with what they tried to do to cover their own sin, but in turn, they had nothing to do with what God covered them with. Our only part in salvation is to receive it. You can't earn it, and there's no good work you can do to merit it. It is the unmerited favor, it is the grace and the love of God that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Our only covering from, from the from the uh, shame of our nakedness and our sinfulness, the only covering we have that allows us to come into the presence of God and lift our hands and worship him and adore him without guilt, without shame, without condemnation is the covering that God has provided for us. Is the covering that God purchased for us with his own blood. What is that covering? It's the covering of the blood of the Lamb of God. The Bible said that God made coats of skin. What kind of skin do you think it was? The sin offering had to be made. The innocent had to die in place of the guilty. I can tell you what it was. It was a wool covering. There was a lamb died somewhere. God covered them with a wool garment. Made clothing for them to cover their shame and their nakedness. The lamb became the coat for the covering. When God looked upon them, he no longer saw their nakedness. But instead, he saw the redemptive payment for their sin. Instead, he saw the lamb of God. There's a song that we used to sing. When he sees me, he sees the blood of the lamb. He sees me as holy and not as I am. Thank you, Lord, for your covenant. The Bible said in Romans 13 and verse number 11, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and walkness, not in striving, envy, envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ 
and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So I want us to see this. Jesus, the Lamb of God, has become our garment of salvation. And we're endued with him today. Jesus said that he would endue us with power from on high. You know what the word endued means? It means to be clothed upon. Adam and Eve lost that in the garden. But Jesus came to give that back. And he said, I'm going to clothe you with my power. I'm going to clothe you with my glory. And that is what the Holy Spirit came for. Jesus, the Lamb of God, has become our garment of salvation. And we are endued with him today. Where and how can we be clothed with him? There's always a place we go to put things on and to take things off. Isn't that right? There's a place that all of us go when we want to put things on or take things off. It's our closet, isn't it? It's our closet. Matthew 6 and verse 6, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. He said, when you pray, you enter into your closet. That is a secret place, a private place, and that's where things get taken off, and that's where things get put on. You don't go to work in your pajamas. Somebody say amen. I know people go to Walmart today in their pajamas. They weren't raised in my house. <laughs> they weren't raised in my house. You go to bed in your pajamas, not to Walmart. And when you get up to go to work, you go to your closet and you pull out a, a shirt. And for me, you pull out, you know, your, your blue jeans and you put on your socks and your work boots and your belt. And you, you're getting ready to go to work. But before you went, you went into that closet and you put on what you needed to go to work. You, you come to the house of God. I went in my closet this morning. I pulled the suit off the rack, the dress shirt, and I put on what I was going to wear to the house of God. Amen. And that happens every day. Every day in the life of a believer there's a place that you and I go into the presence of God in our secret place. Uh, and if the devil has tried to robe us uh, with what this world wants to put on us every day, then we put that off. Isn't that what he said? He said, we, he said, uh, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting, drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness not in strife and envying. He said, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And there he said, let us cast off the works of darkness. There are things you've got to put off. There's people going to puke on you with all kind of rot. They're going to lie on you. They're going to do you wrong. 
They're going to talk bad about you. They're going to try to provoke you to anger. When you enter into your closet, you put all that off. You, you know, if they sold your garment with whatever they threw your way, you put that off. You put on a clean garment. What is that? Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't be overcome with evil, but you overcome the evil with good. Amen. Somebody throws something on you to soil that garment. I don't have to walk around with that. You didn't ruin my day. I'm just going to put that off. I've got another garment I can put on. Thank you, Lord. Where and how are we clothed with him in the closet? Second, or in Colossians chapter number three, it says, if ye, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, that means put to death, therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil, uh, concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, mm -hmm. in which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge or renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, vows of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also so also do ye. And above all things, put on. Charity, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Luke 24, 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued or clothed upon with power from on high. There is a change of garments that takes place in Christ. Adam and Eve did not put the animal skin over the fig leaves. Fig leaves had to be done away with. And the garment was placed over them. The prodigal son did not put his, the father didn't put his best robe over the old soiled garments that the prodigal son came home in out of the Hog pen. He washed it. Oh, yes. oh. He cleansed it. Hallelujah. Thank you, 
You put a clean garment on a clean man. Thank God. When blind Bartimaeus went to Jesus, the Bible said he cast away his old garment. When Elisha saw Elijah carried away into the clouds, he tore and rent his own clothes, making them of no more use to him. And he picked up the mantle of Elijah, and he had a new covering. Amen. The old garment represents the old man, the old lifestyle of the flesh. But in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. It's time to be clothed in the new. Look, I know, living in that world. Caleb and I went to the hunting lease yesterday just to put out corn. We walking the trail all the way to the back side of the property. That's the first time I've been back there since we've had any rain. Man, by the time we got back there, I had mud up over my calves. It's just awful. He said, man, this is, this is it's a swamp is what it is. He said, this, this is rough. Get back here. I said, you ain't wrong. I said, it's going to be rough from now on. We done got a rain. This ground's like muck, and it's going to hold this water. This is what it's going to be. I said, I ain't even coming back here to hunt unless there's something good worth on the camera to come back here for. And if I did come back here and hunt, it'd have to be a mighty big buck for me to kill it. I don't want to walk through all this. Man, when I got home, I was nasty. The first thing I wanted to do is peel those wet, dirty, soiled jeans, I mean, all the way up over my calves. I wanted them to come off. Jump in the shower, get clean, and put something clean back on. You, you fighting hell out there in that world, there ain't no way that you don't come home Sold. You wade through the muck and the filth and the hate and the, you know, contempt that's in this world for God and for and for the Word of God. You come home and it's probably over calf deep what you've been wading through. Maybe you want to snap at somebody and they say, "What's your problem? You don't know what I've been through today." You don't need to snap at nobody. What you need to do is to go in there in that secret place. And you need to pull all that off. Put all that off. And you don't be overcome with evil, but you overcome that evil with good. And you clothe yourself in Christ. You get endued with power from on high. You let him cleanse you and wash you clothe you with the garments of praise is what he said and I say I'm going he said I will clothe you with the garments of praise instead of bitterness instead of hatred instead of contempt man it messes the devil up when you lift your hands up and say thank you Lord I love you I ain't wearing this filth around 
I'm not wearing no stained soiled garment. I'm going to clothe myself with praise. I'm going to clothe myself with the praises of my God. It confounds the enemy. You can't do anything with it. I want Kirsten to come back this morning. If you're able, I'll ask for to stand with me. Most some of you are confused because I didn't preach very long. So. <laughs> I'm trying to be mindful of our workers and our young people. They got a long way ahead of them. And uh, I am proud of them. I look forward to being back here this evening, hearing them worship God. But I am mindful of the fact, even though we're in the Christmas season, even though when this ought to be the happiest, merriest, jolliest time of the year, we're living in an hour when all hell's fighting against the church. He's trying his best to strip, to beat, to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And I want you to be clothed with Christ. I want you to put off, he said, put off anger. Put off malice. Put off all of those things. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. This ought to be a time when we're grateful, when we're thankful for the provision that God has made for us through his son. And that's what it means when the Lord said, no weapon that's formed against you will be allowed to prosper. Because when you put off all those things and you put on the Lord Jesus Christ, there's nothing the devil can do to destroy you. There's nothing he can do to, to, to kill you. Amen. Father, we thank you for the word of God this morning. I thank you so much for the provision that you've made for us through Christ. I want to be clothed with him this morning. I want to put on joy. I want to put on the garment of praise. I want to put on the armor of light. I want to put on the new man, which is created in righteousness after Christ Jesus. I, I don't want to wear the soiled garment of this world. I don't want my attitude to be nasty. I don't want my spirit to be soiled or, or stained with what the world tries to put on me or try to get in me. God, those are the things that I came to put off today in this altar. Lord, I intend to put on the Lord Jesus Christ for old things to pass away and for all things to become new. I don't intend to leave here like I came this morning. I want you to Endue me with your power. I want to be clothed upon by the Holy Spirit this morning. If that's your prayer, would you meet me in this altar this morning? Come on, many as will. Let's fill this altar up and seek his face together. Hallelujah.